Okay, you all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. You're listening to the B2C Lead Gen Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell here with Simon Delaney, and this is episode 104, Brand Pages, Mastering High Converting Landing Pages. And today we have Oliver Kenyon from ConversionWise rejoining the show. Welcome back, Oliver. It's been a little while since you were last on. How are things going? It has. Thank you. Yeah. First and foremost, thank you for having me back. Um, and 104 episodes. Very, very cool. I'm a bit annoyed I wasn't like number 100, but uh, <laughs> 104. That's 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 awesome. The consistency is uh, is great. And um, yeah, it's it's great to be back. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think we're definitely the first 10, I think, last time. So yeah, it's been a little while. Nice. But um, just to sort of catch up. So I think last time I spoke to you, you were operating under the landing page guides just a while ago. So I've introduced you as conversion wise, but for the people listening, could you maybe just uh, intro what you guys do and just yeah. sort of set out that change? Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, established our conversion rate agency, whatever you want to call it, landing page agency, um, about 10 to 11 years ago now. Um, and when we first uh, launched this company, there was one goal we had. We just wanted to be the best and biggest landing page design and development company in, on the internet. Um, hence why me and Andy, the creative uh, creative geniuses that we are, we came up with the name landing page guys, right? Like if you want to be known for landing pages, um, why not be called the landing page? It's, it's a bit like then. this podcast, isn't it? You just go Ron Seal. <laughs> yes, I always, I always quote the old. Uh, that's what it says on the tin. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so we we were originally landing page guys, and uh, just to take it way back, I, I actually um, I actually read a book by a fellow UK uh, entrepreneur a guy called Daniel Priestley. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of him, but um, he he wrote a book called Key, uh, KPI Key Person of Influence, and that was all about like picking something and just becoming so well known for it that when someone mentions the word landing page they think of you or your company and that was our kind of mission back then um fast forward 10 years uh we've definitely changed as a business uh about a year and a half ago we rebranded um we wanted to move away from just being known for landing pages because we now offer several different things i'm happy to go into that but we have a, a an academy where we teach um, landing page design development and cro uh, but we also now do uh, which is a huge part of our business optimization which is ongoing cro um, as well as still doing we've done for 10 years which is i don't actually think uh, there's a there's a company on this planet who has designed more bespoke landing pages than us and what i mean by that is um from the ground up so not using page builders using you know used to be photoshop now figma uh but more uh landing page custom designs for our clients i think we're we're close to seven thousand pages now and i don't think there's anyone who's done more than us and for anyone listening um just to reiterate it uh conversion wise or landing page guys and uh oliver and andy they are literally probably the best landing page builders in the world i would say designers so whenever we've hired um, front-end developers, I actually have one sat in the office with me next to me, smiling at me. Um, and we were talking about landing pages because obviously we host them in Datable and things and the design. I, In fact, I, I think Corey signed up to your course, if I remember rightly, I a few months ago. Yeah. Um, but the first thing I always do is go to this YouTube channel, check out, it's all free, bear in mind, uh, uh, the stuff on the YouTube channel. What Oliver's saying, um, because these guys are the absolute best in the world at conversion design of landing pages. 
Um, Thank you. That's uh, that's quite an endorsement. If I can just get the replay, I'll chop this up and you'll see an ad targeting you very soon. But no, I'll just I, retract really everything think. I have ever said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I very much appreciate that. That's very kind of you. That's all right. We're, we're definitely going to cover some on uh, uncover some of these tactics on the show. And yeah. I know we've done it before on the previous one, but um, as the, the title suggests, we have a lot of listeners to this on this podcast who are brands. Um, we want to kind of like look at it from their perspective slightly and get your insights. Cause I think that'd be kind of interesting. Mm. Um, what I want to start with though, is a particular scenario where you have these tactics, which you know are going to work. Yeah. You know that like this is going to get com- the landing page converting better. But then you have a brand who's got quite strict guidelines about what they want to know. I want to talk about that conflict and how you get around it and what you do with that. I I honestly think that's probably the only conflict we have as a company is brand versus what we call conversion design. You know, Simon just mentioned Mm -hmm. it. And and what what encompasses conversion design is we have now um, this playbook of if you tick a certain amount of boxes and i don't mean obviously we're talking about lead gen here so sometimes there is tick boxes but i'm talking more uh, hypothetical conversion uh, principles on your landing pages you are more than uh, likely to convert so you know we we there, there's kind of eight or nine major factors that that uh, have to be instilled in your landing page in order for it to convert as best as it could out of the box once you've done those things, you then go on to what we call ongoing CRO, ongoing conversion rate optimization, which is when you let data talk to you, you know, you, you get hits to your site and then you make um, informed hypotheses and informed tests based on your data and your understanding of, you know, what could work better. And that's when you start creating these split tests. But to answer your question, you we, we can come to, you know, uh, brands or companies and say, we must put these eight to nine things on your page, for example, because over 10 years, we know time and time and time, 99% of the time, they work. And often you do get that kickback. Now, I would say this kickback is more um, where we see it most is on the other side of, of, of the net, so the e-com side, where um, people are very, very uh, protected about their overall look and feel of the brand. For example, where this is uh, a biggest friction point for us is in the apparel space, so clothing, luxury goods, um, fragrances, etc., mm-hmm. where you know they put in so much money into uh, visual marketing, you know, their, their logo, the style guides, the colors, the fonts, uh, you know, not using bright colors, using a certain color palette, for example. But we we ultimately do 100% see that on the lead gen side as well, where, you know, clients have have worked very hard doing maybe things that are are, are not known to us. You know, we we live very much in the, in the D2C space where it's, you know, click to conversion. But these guys may come from a, an offline space where they've spent hundreds of thousands or millions on advertising campaigns, you know, papers, TV, press, radio, and they have a brand to protect. And ultimately, it comes down to if you trust what we've been doing for 10 years, then I always recommend you listen to what we tell you to do. But certainly in larger companies with different departments where you know, your marketing team will argue with the the outsourced CRO team that they don't want that button to be a certain color or, mm. you know, they don't want to use that type of terminology in a claim above the fold, for example. And it, it's it's a difficult conversation to have. I think, like I said, 
ultimately all we can do is advise and say, okay, if you're not willing to do X, Y, or Z, then just know it may, it may not give you the best return as far as a conversion rate. Um, and, and that's, like I say, that's one of our, I guess, only arguments we ever have with, with a, with a kind of brand, a company. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think as well to remember that again, what we do, you know, you guys as a company, us as a company, we tend to work with the paid media side of things. So a lot of our, a lot of our customers are driving paid media where every click counts and they need every click to convert and they're not on you know a, a tv advert they're not on uh, a press a print on a newspaper they're actually driving paid clicks where yes hundreds of thousands of people might see these ads but realistically you're catching someone's intent on a social media platform normally or or maybe on a, a native platform and ultimately, all you want to do is lead them down the funnel that just makes them become your customer or, you know, generates a lead. So what you can do via paid media sometimes can differentiate from your overall brand in the press in front of the public eye, if that makes sense. What would be interesting is um, if, uh, so I, we've worked with a client in the past before that for external lead gen, they didn't want to use their own brand, even though they could have like created their we own see pages. This a lot. So you create, they created, or uh, someone created on their behalf, micro brands. We see this a lot. And then the CRO could be, go wild because they've lost interest in the brand guidelines or whatever. It, it's exactly that. Um, and and we, we do see this a lot. You know, you just have to have a claim, obviously, on the bottom of the site or in your terms that you are X, Y, and Z brand. But, you know, we, we, we do this even with interstitial pages, you know, for example, pre-sales, advertorials, listicle type pages, you know, often they are branded as third parties. Uh, and then they may drive to um, the branded lead gen page. I mean, one thing I would recommend that if anyone is a brand and they're just driving paid media to their generic brand site. And what I mean by that is like your.com and you may have like a forward slash sign up that's within your site. Um, you are pretty much leaving money on the table. What you really want to be doing is creating these aggressive direct response uh, lead gen funnels. Uh, that will will just generate and demand a higher uh, a higher conversion rate, and that is purely because on your .com you have so many other distractions. For example, you might have your forward slash sign up, but when you get onto that page, you've probably still got your navigational links. You've probably still got your about, your different solutions, your homepage. You probably in your footer still got all your footer links, your social uh, platform links, and the, all these things are just distractions. You want to take someone to a page that is built to channel them through a, a certain funnel but you're absolutely right simon you know we we have clients who do uh for example work under these kind of like aliases or these these kind of sub brands so that they can get a little bit more creative or wild with the kind of uh conversion tactics that we preach it's interesting you say that simon because obviously one thing we talk about a lot is the fact that when brands are using their actual brand especially if it's a well-known brand mm. The conversion rates, at least within lead gen, can be a lot higher than sort of unknown brands. I mean, I guess you you see this too, and you, you sort of have to just just on that. that. I think it's to do with how emotive the product is, because if it's non-emotive, mm. the the intent of the user is like for the for the solution, not for the brand. If yeah. you know what I mean. 
Sorry, go I, on, Oliver. I, I, no, no, you're right. I, th I think in our experience, you are you are gambling, you know, with the leverage of trust and credibility. So one of those kind of eight to nine conversion principles, and one of, if not probably the biggest for lead generation, is trust and credibility. It's how can we, if we are not an established brand, how can we you know, how can we showcase that we are a legitimate company and that we actually care for the outcome of the customer who's going to fill in this form? So there's lots of ways we can do that. And we can go into some tactics of how you actually do that if you don't have an established brand. But again, you know, if you are, for example, an established brand, it's the fact that, yes, we may have seen this as a cold ad or a native ad, or, you know, it, it may have been shoved in front of our face where we were doing something else and we click to this page. But we instantly have that feel of trust. We can trust this brand because we've seen them elsewhere. We know who these guys are. And that's why these bigger companies will advertise across, you know, multiple pieces of media because the conversion rate will be higher because you've already ticked that box when someone lands on a page. So that's the advantage of obviously leaning into your brand. Um, but you can also, if you are, for example, I know we're talking more about brand bias, but this is why if you're just a, 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 a lead uh, you know, a lead buyer and seller. This is why when you land on some landing pages, you will see um, the companies that they're selling the leads to, they will leverage their trust and credibility by showing their logos. For example, if you're selling car insurance and you're selling on the back end to Aviva, uh, you know, some of the other big car insurance brokers, you would show, you would be stupid not to show their logos on the front of your website and say, as recommended or trusted by Aviva, et cetera, et cetera, because all you're doing is leveraging their trust for your own. And it's it's just one of these principles that go into, um, you know, higher conversion rates. There was uh, just one, I wanted to ask you two things or three, but uh, I'll, I'll ask Let's do all three. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So one was... Um, b2b brands either doing lead gen uh i mean it could be e-commerce but if we focus on lead gen how do you do those pages and how does that differ or do you follow the same principles or is it the psychology exactly the same yeah the, the psychology is typically um exactly the same it's the intent that changes so if you imagine a business coming to a business and opting in is very very different from someone who's on daily mail clicking a, a native advertorial and going to apply for cheaper life insurance. You know, that's a very, very different intent. So the, 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 the beta, sorry, the, the beta C is someone who's um, in the moment right there and they just make a snap decision. Obviously we, we build in conversion principles and we'll cover them shortly uh, to, to make that decision easier for them. But we just want them to get them to as quickly down that funnel as possible. No distractions, no other stuff on our page, no flashy gimmicks. It's like, okay, we might have a, a, a an interstitial page and I'm happy to go into like advertorials, et cetera, in the middle that pre-educates them, but we're trying to just pre-sell them. They then go straight into that funnel. Whereas a B2B page may just need a little bit more information of what this actually means for a business. You know, you're not, you know, you, you just may need to kind of warm the, the consumer up, at, well, the business up a bit more about what's actually happening on the process and the next steps. Um, but it's, it's, it, the principles remain pretty much the same. Cool. And um, something we spoke about briefly before it is, and it might be worth just mentioning, is the difference between e-com and lead gen pages, like, because obviously you do both. Yeah. Um, 
how how do you see the differences or do you think there's anything either could learn from each other yeah i mean my my biggest thing we were having this conversation off air is i don't think and and this is where we're going to try and go to um within the next six to 12 months is we're, we're focusing heavily now on our, our optimized solution, which is ongoing CRO. So conversion rate optimization is, is a bit of a blanket. And, and, and basically even conversion rate now is, is a bit of a skewed metric, um, even on lead gen. So for example, on e-com, you could have, uh, you could, you could slash your prices and you, your conversion rate could go through the roof, but your AOV drops and overall revenue per session is actually lower than having a lower conversion rate and a higher AOV. So you have to take this blended metric, you know, revenue per visitor, revenue per session is pretty much what you need to go by as opposed to just conversion rate. Um, and we've got a calculator on our site. If you go to the footer, you can check that out, it's free. Um, but on the lead gen side, it's exactly the same, especially if you're selling leads, it's quality of lead and how much you can get for them. Or if you're actually turning these leads into your own, you know, you're procuring these leads yourself and turning them into your own clients. Again, it all comes down to that quality. But where I feel there's a huge opportunity um, and where I feel the lead gen industry needs to catch up with the e-com space is when you get to at least, say, 100,000 hits per month on e-com, it is a very known thing to do to hire someone like ourselves to do ongoing CRO. Now, that's all based on data. By that point, you've probably... Uh, instilled most of these principles and some people haven't some people just get lucky because they're an influencer or they've got a cool following or a really cool product and we can just you know take this further but on the lead gen side I mean I remember I remember 10 years ago our very first client was Tim Bird um, and you guys may be aware of him uh, your audience may be aware of Tim but Tim was he's known as like the godfather of Facebook marketing but he was one of the first to really make lead gen mainstream and we actually did ongoing cro for him with lead gen before we even knew what ongoing cro was he was our first ever client and we were working direct with debt.org uh, and we were doing all of debt.org's funnels so we were doing social security disability benefits um all, all these kind of you know american um style kind of lead gen campaigns and tim was the first one who introduced us to CRO and he basically put us on VWO.com back when it was affordable and usable for idiots like myself. Um, I actually don't think that's the case with VWO anymore, but um, it was amazing because the results we could get on lead gen, let alone, you know, e-com ongoing CRO, when you would get to over a hundred thousand hits per month is, is incredible. You can literally slash your CPL in half. Like you could, you can literally, you know, double your conversion rate by doing some tests when you're at a certain volume. Um, and I think that's something that the lead gen uh, industry, in my opinion, I don't know if you guys see it more than I do, because you are more on the kind of ground with the with the software side of things. But I don't think many lead gen companies are actively testing, you know, AB split testing week to week, month to month. And I think there's a huge a huge, you know, gap to be filled, yes, but also a huge uplift for lead gen companies to be had if they actually started doing that. I agree, yeah, one hundred percent. I think there's the the it goes on two sides. So one, if it's the lead generators, because they'd be doing over a hundred thousand hits, right? Like, right. If you we're talking so. clicks to the impressions on the landing page, mm -hmm. um, and then the brands themselves, uh, 
that are carrying out Legion on their own half, whether it's like PPC or Facebook or whatever, like any direct response channel, <clears> I, <throat> I think they just get wrapped up in the brand guidelines and it is one page and it sits there for 10 years. And yeah, uh, we, we, have, we haven't really, that, that's, that's another thing on Legion. We haven't really seen anything new for years. Like the same old pages work. Um, you know, there was a huge thing where, you know, again, we were, we weren't, I, I'm not going to say we were the first to do it, but we certainly changed all of our customers over. And that kind of became a trend where we used to have single form or two-step form. That's all it was in lead gen. You either had like a large form or there was this revolutionary thing where you could split the form in two. This is like 10 years ago. And like, shit, let's take this long form. Let's put it in two. And we might get higher conversion rates because it's not as daunting when someone lands on the page to fill in this long form. We then took that, not we, someone, I'm not saying we invented it. I don't know if we did or not, but people then took that and did multi-step forms. And, you know, that's kind of typically what we'll see now. You know, rarely do you see many where it's kind of single form. Um, you still do on some industries and, you know, especially industries with older demographics, they prefer just filling in a big form because that's what they, they like. Um, but typically if you're asking for enough data that it becomes a pain to ask for that data, you want to go kind of multi-step and almost gamify the process, um, to get someone down your, your funnel. And we just don't really see any innovation on the page side, on the lead gen side, to be honest, whereas, on the e-com side, it's, there's consistent kind of change. You know, there's different offers. There's rush my trial versus straight sale versus right now. Let's try listicles. Let's try advertorials. Uh, you know, let's, let's push people into bundle and save. Let's do subscribe and save. Um, whereas, you know, I, again, I think, I think, uh, I mean, you're opening my eyes there. <laughs> I mean, we said before the call, I think Lee Jen is making a big resurgence. I think the last six months we've seen it, you know, whereas we saw a huge swing pre-pandemic and during pandemic from like elite gen maybe being 30% of 40% of our business to maybe 10 to 20% and 80%, 90% e-com. I think that's slowly coming back to like that 30 kind of percent mark. And I, I think that will only continue because um, although I think e-com has a, a, a forever ending life cycle, I feel like it's not as easy as it was. And I think people are, I've seen it on the content side as well. I don't know about you guys, but I've seen it on like the affiliate marketing side and the, the kind of info product and content side that a lot of people are going back. For example, it's, it's affiliate world next week in Barcelona, um, which we're heading to, but um, I've spoken to the, the people who are running the show and they've said that their focus has completely switched from econ and going back to lead gen content info products affiliate marketing um so i only see that continuing i think just quickly before yeah i think it might be for sort of two reasons so one is just the like recession that we went through um not the one during covid like post covid because it, it just pushes a lot of brands into um measurable return which they see leads us but the yeah. other is a lot of the and this is caused by covid um a lot of the retail outfits that have been sat on high streets for a hundred years, you know, think, I don't know, boots, for example, nobody goes to town centers anymore. Mm. They're all doing it all online. And a lot of those guys are realizing they need to move. And I'm seeing this, we're seeing it. They're yeah. moving to lead gen mm. because they want people's data effectively without becoming Makes a customer sense. and going pure e-com. So they're, 
um, I think it's growing from that perspective for a lot of uh, brands as well on the retail side. Makes sense. I think now is a good time to uh, maybe pick your brain for some tactics, Oliver. Um, I'm not expecting you to list all nine. Um, there's quite a lot. But you know what? I should I should know these, shouldn't I? I should I should be. Able, <laughs> I'm going to try and do it, and then we'll dig into them. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I had a I had a talk in London on Monday, um, and I did the nine principles, so they should be quite fresh in my mind. So let's start. I'm going to try roll through them, and then maybe we can we can pick a couple that I think are most important for lead gen. Uh, number one is I can't even remember. <laughs> is uh is uh creating a irresistible offer. Okay. Number two is uh trust. Uh, sorry, social proof. Number three is value proposition. Number four is trust and credibility. Number five is objection handling. Number six is come on i'm going to come up with some more six is come on you're the inventor of the multi-page landing page <laughs> i'm not sure i didn't claim that <laughs> oh, no, i'm joking <laughs> just social countdown music put under pressure. Most people, but yeah uh, <laughs> objection handling um social proof trust credibility uh value proposition irresistible offer ongoing cro is one of them um, but that's normally the end one because you need to kind of get to the standards. You need to get to high conversions and and, and mass traffic to do ongoing CRO. Um, what are the other ones? That's a good point. We should have counted all of those, actually. Exactly. You, might, you might be I think I'm it. about eight, maybe. I think I'm about eight. But um, th these are all important for lead gen. I think, like I said, I think trust and credibility is huge. Um, I think when you're giving away information and personal data, it's imperative that you have that trust in who you're giving that data to. So there's a lot of things you can do on your pages to remove friction. Uh, and, and I say this all the time, as a, as a brand owner, as a lead gen buyer, whatever you, whatever you are, whatever you want to call yourself, for once, just stop. And it's very hard to do, by the way, but just stop and put yourself into the mindset of one of your cold clicks. You know, if you, and you didn't understand what was going on behind the, you know, this is this is the sin of, uh, I say this all the time on the econ side, this is the, this is the downfall of any econ brand owner is they only ever think of their product and, and the shiny bells and whistles and why it's better than their competitor. They never think of like, actually what does my consumer see when they visit my site, see the product. And it's the same on lead gen. So put yourself into that mindset. It's hard to do, but detach yourself and think, if I just clicked an ad on the daily mail, for example, or you know Facebook or whatever, and I came to this page and it was asking for my personal information, would I do it? Would I trust this site? And the way you can combat that and remove the friction is first and foremost, trust policy bar. So these work really, really well. So icons and text, keep it short and snappy, but above the fold, what can you put on your site that makes you instantly seem like a more trusted or credible, you know, credible company? So can you do things like established in 2013? Instantly that says, You've been in business 10 years. You're a real business. I I therefore trust this business. Can you say something like satisfaction guarantee or, you know, something for some, it's, it's a bit different on lead gen, but like the, any form of kind of like guarantee. Support's a huge one. Can you say, you know, we offer 24 seven follow-up support or, you know, whatever your hours are, call centers on the back end, whatever that may be, tick a box. Can you say something like, uh, based on, you know, almost it's not, it is social proof, but you can put this in the same, uh, same spin as this, but could you say something like, um, 
helped over 10,000 clients. So, you know, if you're if you're helping people get life insurance, can you say helped over 10,000 clients? Um, what can you use icons and text that are on that navigational bar that instantly punch people in the face with trust and credibility? When people see it, they think, OK, these guys are legit. These guys are real. Other things you can do, as I said, it, it's different if you're a brand, but if you're a, a, a lead distributor or buyer um, or seller, sorry, uh, again, leverage other companies' logos. So Aviva, LV, etc. If you're selling on their behalf, put those logos on your site, you know, trusted by Aviva, LV, etc. Because what happens is I, as a cold consumer, lands on that landing page and I see those logos and it doesn't happen as slow as this. I don't literally see them and go, I know those logos. I trust those companies. Therefore, I trust this brand. Therefore, I'm going to fill in the form. But subconsciously in the back of the mind, that's what's happening. You know, that's what's that's what's going on. Persuasive copy. That's another one. Uh, that's what's going on in the back of my mind. So how can we tick that trust box? OK, speaking of ticking boxes, when you are asking for someone's information, how can you inform them that you're doing it for the benefit of them? And there's a couple of ways. OK, so one underneath all your um, buttons, you can put like a little padlock icon or something similar that says, you know, don't outright say we won't spam you because that's just stupid because people think, oh, they will spam us because they're saying they're not. But, you know, say something like, you know, your information is GDPR protected and we respect your privacy. We will never sell your information to any third parties. Something like that that just makes me feel, OK, I can I can trust these guys a bit more. Um, also, transparency. So when it comes to uh, multi-step forms uh, uh, or, or, you know, not just single forms, being honest with me, again, trust, making me trust you. How long is this going to take me to fill out? So on top of the form, you know, this will take two minutes. And then telling me which step I'm on. This is a huge one. You'll see huge drop-offs on multi-step forms if you don't put, like, the amount of steps. So if I'm on step three, have one to six, three highlighted. You know, again, it's making me trust you. So I think that's a huge one. Um, that That's a really, really big one when it comes to uh, lead generation. Social proof is really undervalued or under underdone on, on, on lead gen. It's huge on e-com, but why don't we do it on e lead gen? There's no reason why we shouldn't. So when I, when I land on your page above the fold, I want to see a review. And the best thing about reviews, by the way, is you can objection handle within a review. So I want to see a review of someone who's just been through your form and bought the perfect life insurance for the outcome. So this review should mention the objection and it should also mention the outcome. And what I mean by that is when someone comes onto your page, the objection may be that I don't trust this company. Okay. The outcome is that my family are protected and I can relax knowing that they have, we have life insurance. So if the review handles both of these and it says, I didn't think I could trust, I didn't think I could trust a company like this. However, after filling in the form, they were absolutely brilliant. They got me the cover they wanted and I can now relax knowing that my family is protected if I should pass away. You're kind of, you're using social proof to also objection and or and establish trust. So social proof is huge. Again, mention how many clients you've helped, put stars, uh, you know, put, put stars of ratings, leverage trust pilot if you've got it. Now I know no disrespect to your listeners, most lead gen companies have awful reviews on Trustpilot. But, uh, you know, if you do have good reviews, leverage them, mention, like I say, numbers work. So numbers work very, very well. Instead of just saying we are rated 4.9 out of 5 stars, say we are rated 4.9 out of 5 stars by 10,000 plus happy customers. You see how much more powerful that is. Um, so social proof is, is absolutely crucial. 
Um, again, we've mentioned kind of objection and handling. You can do that in your in your testimonials. You can also do that in your content. So above the fold, I mean, again, this comes down to kind of a value proposition, but I want to know exactly what I'm getting out of this lead gen funnel. So calling that out in the headline and mentioning the benefit as opposed to the feature is exactly the way to go. So again, as an advertiser, as a lead gen operator, owner, brand, whatever, it's very easy to get wrapped up in the fact that I'm selling life insurance. So I I would automatically go to in my headline, the best, la la the best life insurance in the UK. Rubbish. What you ultimately want to do is sell the outcome, the transformation. So your headline instead should be something like, relax knowing that your family are safe and secure for life okay Every, so everyone's writing this down currently going yep we got that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much more powerful i mean i love this one i i i, I spoke i've been very lucky to speak at um some great conferences and this this visual always gets the biggest like <gasps> gasp in the audience the second to none when they see my face but um this is a it's a very famous old 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 visual and it's two two ads right it's two exact identical ads and the ads are uh, a hand holding a phone like a mobile phone. So you've got ad A, ad B, and they're both exactly the same image, hand holding a phone. Ad A, the copy above, says the all new 12 megapixel super zoom camera, okay? Ad B is exactly the same ad, but ad B says, take pictures of your family that will last forever. And it's that ad B, it's the outcome, it's the benefit, it's the transformation that will outsell ad A every single day of the week. So when it comes to your headlines, to your titles, et cetera, you know, think about what your customers are here for. Normally with lead gen, it's peace of mind. It's, it's you know, it's knowing that something's done. It's being able to relax. It's, it's you know, ticking a box that that's done. Um, and, and, you know, again, obviously affordability and, and kind of price typically will come into this as well. But yeah, I think that's a huge one, leaning into those kind of uh, headlines. Irresistible offers, this can work on lead gen as well as e-com. So, you know, what can you do that doesn't cut into your margin but, and we used to do this with Tim all the time, but doesn't cut into your margin, but actually is a value add to your consumer that sets you uh, apart from your competitor. So things like PDF guides, they cost you 500 quid to, 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 to get produced, one-time payment, but you can distribute them for free to every single piece of person who comes through your funnel. So, you know, let's say for example, you're uh selling funeral cover whatever it may be you know can you create a pdf guide that walks everyone through the 10 things that are commonly missed when planning a funeral so they're prepared you know can you create a uh a, an insurance guide that walks you through how not to lose money on other insurance within the household or so you know what is there something you can create that makes it more of an irresistible offer on the front end. I know obviously some of the big brands will give away, this is why they give away Amazon vouchers or you know, certain incentives if you if you sign up for a plan. But you know, often the little fish can't play in that league because they don't have the margin, but it doesn't have to be a monetary thing. Sometimes it can just be like a supporting guide. We were again, I'm making a lot of claims on this podcast, aren't I? But when we when we were with Tim, and I don't know why this never took off. I think it was maybe because not many people use the the actual community themselves. But I'm a community guy. I've I've always launched communities forums. That's my background: affiliate marketing forums, etc. And um, what we did with Tim is we would we would take someone down almost like a co-reg path. So let's say they were signing up for like social security or whatever it may be. The next step after they fill in the form is, and, and we put this on the front end of the website, is you are uh, now exclusively allowed to join our community free of charge. 
So, you know, a paid, you know, we would say that this is a monthly paid thing, but you get access free of charge because you've been through this form. So on the front end, we could say, you know, join this community. So whether that's whatever that community wants to be about, but it'd be like free community. And then once they filled in the form, we would then have them tick a compliance box and we would add them straight into community because we've already got their data. So we would just pass the API into the forum software and create them a user account. And, you know, the, the matter at least these guys were doing, we had a, a forum and I think actually Tim sold that form. It became a, a kind of tangible asset in itself that he could then sell. Um, so yeah, what can you add? What can, how can you make your, your, your lead gen funnels stick out versus your competitors? Um, do you want me to keep going guys? Uh, I mean, it's, no. it's been fascinating. I was just taking a note of the form thing. I never thought of that. It'd be quite mm. a good uh, thing to use. What I was, um, one thing you said with the uh, like testimonials or the social proof, there's a guy called Louis, uh, I've forgotten his surname, who runs a podcast and has a company, I think, called Everyone Hates Marketeers. It's aimed at B2B. Nice. Um, but it just reminded me when you said, uh, I know a lot of like companies doing lead gen might not have testimonials or things they can use. And he was the same when he started his company, right? So he actually put a review from his dad and it said something like, um, I, he, he, I only remembered it because he put an email out about it a, a few days ago. It said something like, um, I'm sure this is all very good, but why isn't it in French, you idiot? And that was the <laughs> um, testimonial. And he said, that had more of an impact than any other testimonial is ever put. So I was thinking people could put like, you know, picture of their mum and say like, Absolutely. oh, mum and put like, I trust these guys, so would you. And, you know, almost if you can't get something real, make it humorous. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way. And, and a lot of people will always say like, oh, I'm new or I don't have testimonials. Um, and I think that's a great way to do it. I also think the, using the word many is very clever. So like if you only have 20 reviews as opposed to, you know, anything above 100, I would be saying by hundreds of happier customers, you can use the word many happy customers, which still seems like a big data set, but it may only be 20. Um, but yeah, I've, I've seen things like that as well. I think that's a humorous and really great way of doing it. Like, um, you know, you, you could say uh, my, my son had to remortgage his house to to start this business. I know he's going to, I know he's going to look after his customers. I would use him or something like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think that's a, a great yeah. way of doing it. <laughs> he has no choice. He's got, he's yeah, got yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise he's coming home for dinner. The, I don't want to be cooking the, for him every night. The, the other thing with the trust is <clears> that I, we've covered this on a podcast that we just did internally before. And that I like, I have no idea why more people don't do this is. <clears> so once you've filled a form in and you've got to either thank you page or, you know, the, details have been captured why they don't just say they get an affiliate link from the client and they could then send it into their crm or their dialer or whatever why they don't just say how do you want to complete this do you want to call now or do you want to go online and make a sale because then it gets attributed back to the lead generator for the sale mm. or if they don't click either they've got the lead to board anyway. or whatever yeah I, you literally never see anyone do it and i no, just think i think that's a really important thing as well on on your con uh, on your confirmation pages is to clearly explain the next step because then there's then then again you've removed friction people people as businesses you know oh, i just want to generate leads and sell them and you almost forget that actually if you can if you can get more qualified leads and leads that turn into sales you can demand a higher price for your leads you, you can open up the cap etc so like the way to do this is by uh, either doing what you're saying or finishing the loop. So this is what happens next. 
we have got your email, we will send it here within 24 hours, expect a phone call, it will come from an unknown number, don't worry, you know, we're just here to get you the best quote and just explaining to people, because if you explain, then people are more likely to phone up, uh, pick up the phone, as opposed to, you know, if you don't, two hours later, they see an unknown call on their phone, they're like, no, nah, I'm not answering that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a really, really valid bit of, 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 of uh, the kind of feedback loop, that end end bit. And that, I think it sort of feeds into what you were saying at the top where you see, let's call it like a professionalism around CRO from e-commerce than mm. um, lead gen. And I think because a lot, and it's slowly changing in some respects, but a lot of lead gen is still like build it really quick. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. We, we just want to drive traffic because we want to sell leads. There's it's not a one time, it's a one time transaction. Whereas e-com, obviously 90% of e-com is building lifetime revenue. So it's multiple SKUs. It's getting people into an email CRM. It's bringing them back to your store. It's nurturing that lead. Whereas you're right. Lead gen is like, let's get lead and sell it. But actually what you can do um, is create a, a kind of asset or a follow along on the back of that. And again, we've, we've had clients in the past where they're either doing the the um the lead capture on like a asset so they built out like a uh insurance.com not exactly but you see what i'm saying where they're putting out valuable content about all different types a money supermarket for example you know that 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 is a much more sellable asset than a lead distribution company that just sells a lead so you know can you on once you've had that lead can you nurture that lead can you invite them to your exclusive blog can you get them into your money saving community and start actually building up as long as it's within those terms when they're ticking that box that they're going to be invited or added into a community uh i i actually yeah i, I did a talk years ago and actually said this that i think it's a very untapped space that you're right you know simon people it's it's a, a little bit sometimes not when you're a brand but on the distribution side a bit of a dirty game where you are just, you know, how how much can I charge per lead and how can I get as many leads as possible in, in any given time? But if you stop and think, actually, can I build an asset on the back of this? That asset would quickly actually replace uh, the revenue in your business times 20 because a community or a, a, a blog or something with a following has can demand a far higher multiple than a lead distribution plat, uh, you know, uh, um, um, company that, could lose their Facebook account tomorrow. Um, and I think that's that's a really untapped space for sure. Well, I, th I think there's two things in it as well. So one is we talk about it all the time, which we say, you know, we believe in the future. And now really all lead generators should actually aim to become brands. And that's because mm -hmm. of increased ad costs, uh, compliance around data capture, how much harder um, data is going to become to capture, death of third party cookies, especially on stuff like Google. Yeah. Um, and if you can build a connection with an audience, exactly what you're saying, however it happens, whether it's you're a brand that they trust as a middleman, a bit like um, money supermarket, money supermarket, yeah. and so they repeat because they trust you to make the right decision for them, or there's the community aspect, or there's some sort of value that you're driving, you're not selling leads anymore. You're just like generating customers, uh, your customers. What, what an amazing business if you exactly. can, if you can get paid to generate your own customer. And that's the thing is that this is what, like, we sat there and this was literally like two or three years ago. And we were like, the thing is with a lot of lead gen companies, they've solved the problem, like 50% of this problem already. How do you drive data to mm -hmm. a page, get it to convert so that you can make enough money to grow a business? 
that's literally the hardest part or one <laughs> yeah. of the hardest parts yeah. and the next step is how do you now add that enough value yeah, yeah how exactly. do you now add enough value to them so they come back to you again and that i think is one of the things that legion needs to learn from e-commerce but exactly as you said because they're looking at the lifetime value of the because right. they are the brand right um yeah yeah and then yeah, I, I like it's such an interesting sort of area that um you see so few companies explore and the ones that do grow massive mm. they sell mm. or they the become huge like companies. 60 70 million i think exactly yeah um Adam, I've got one final question written down here um, and possibly the most important because before we uh, start chatting today, I went on you got your guys' website and I looked through and I noticed it was a little bit, um, we had all your clients and I saw there was a picture of Leo Messi at the bottom of it. So like, does he have strong opinions on conversion rates? Is he putting input into these, these pages? <laughs> so uh, yeah, this is a, a recent client actually, Messi was. Um, but we just built, uh, redesigned his store. So I don't know if uh, you guys know, but Messi has an apparel brand. He actually sells clothing um, all under, it's actually themessystore.com. Um, and we've just, yeah, we've just redesigned, been through redesigning his uh, his his new store, Conversion Focused. And the, the company, of course, we didn't work with Messi. Um, I'd love to have, have had that phone call with him, but I don't think he's too bothered, as you say, about uh, my nine principles that I can't even remember on a podcast. <laughs> but um, no, it's definitely, uh, I mean, we've been lucky enough through the years to work with some huge, huge celebrities, which is cool. But I think he's he's possibly the biggest. We did work with Kim Kardashian. So I don't know if you want to know who, who's the biggest out of Kim and, and Messi. I'm not sure you guys make the choice. but Depends, depends what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I should check their Instagram followers. That's probably the But no, it's pretty cool. I, I, it was a, that was a little bit... I, again, I'm so fortunate that over the last 10 years, we've worked with some incredible brands. Um, but that was a definitely a sort of pinch myself moment and stop to think moment when I followed him on Instagram and he, on his story shared the messy store with our landing page etc wow. i think they said they get roughly like something stupid like I don't know, millions of hits every time he does a story he's got 400 million followers on instagram so and did you get any stats on like the increase in uptake or is it yeah yeah we definitely um we definitely did a good service you know we've built the site out and i think they have relationships it's a it's a basically it's an agency that covers all his media media spend etc who brought us on um and i think they have other, other relationships with other big celebs so uh if we if we do episode 204 i'll uh i'll tell you who uh who the biggest is then but no very very proud of that one it was um it was quite a cool thing well that's very cool on the website um oliver you've been a fantastic guest and there's absolutely tons of value for people listening it also makes my life a lot easier because i think i've got at least a month's worth of LinkedIn content I can use from this. Um, so much appreciated. Um, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Of course. Thank you all for, uh, yeah, for inviting me back. It's been um, really great fun. And yeah, if anyone wants to, uh, you know, see what we do, just go to conversionwise.com or quite active on Twitter. So at Oliver Kenyon, but I've really enjoyed it. Thank you guys. Cheers, Oliver. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.